Coming up on today's show, the NFL All-Decade team is out and our boy Joe Thomas was a unanimous selection. In the words of LeBron James, Cleveland, this is for you. Alex Mack, also on the All-Decade team, crashes the show to share how Kyle Shanahan drink could have changed the course of his career. Missed homework, the bright side of being sued, and a tomahawk donation that's close to our hearts. All of this and much, much more on a Best Big Browns Blockers of the Decade edition of the award-winning Tomahawk Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tomahawk Show. I am your co-host, Joe Thomas. With me, as always, my humbler of co-hosts, Andrew Hawkins. We are here live, another quarantine episode of the Tomahawk Show. Hawk, what you been doing, man? Uh, I've been trying to figure out funny content to put up, you know. I'm trying to get my creative juices going, keep them going. So I've been really kind of digging into that and then enjoying other people's stuff. I have not, uh, before you even ask me, I have not watched the homework that you've given me because I feel like this episode came quicker than we expected. So under those circumstances, I should be rid of any consequence. Yeah. What Hawk is talking about is this is sort of a little bit of an unexpected gorilla podcast, not yeah. gorilla in the sense that we've had before when big Brown's news happens, but uh, myself and Alex Mack were quite recently announced as members of the NFL all decade team from 2010 and so we figured, hey, man, we better get on the Zoom and Come on. Uh, quarantine, have a social hour uh, with the, the two of us and see if we could call our old buddy Alex Mack and maybe he could regale us from some of the glory days of Cleveland Brown years. How about that? Two of the best players of the last decade I got to play with on one team. <laughs> How about that? I'm on an all-decade team too, Joe. I was on the Cleveland Browns all-decade team on, I think, like, cleveland.com that i skewed the voting for so i think it's very similar <laughs> to what you just made um i'm not 100 percent sure no but that's incredible it's a no, incredible it's, it's funny because you just mentioned that and actually i did see that you were on the all decade team for the browns as like a slot receiver but now the truth comes out that you skewed the voting yeah. because now it, it does make perfect sense but of I course what you were the best slot receiver that i played with when i was with the browns so and you're one of the best players in nfl in the last decade. So if you say it, it's fact. It just it just solidified me by you making the all decade. Another Hall of Fame, another all decade. It's feel like if we had an episode every time you got an honor, we would have three episodes a week of the Tomahawk Show, man. That is the truth. Uh, unfortunately, these are honors that don't come around every single year. So next year, we probably won't have any episodes of the Tomahawk Show if that was the standard. <laughs> but I have been seeing your digital stuff that you've been putting out. It's been pretty funny this the thing that I saw most recently was the Odell Beckham Nike athlete uh, baton <laughs> handoff. And I'm just wondering, did they, did you have their permission to use their video for your uh, really funny skit? No. Do I ever have permission to use anybody's no, I video? Think so. on the That's what I was wondering. Have you lawyered up or done anything different during these quarantine times? To here's how I, for the massive onslaught of lawsuits <laughs> that you're going to get after stealing everybody's content during this isolation period. If it's if it's getting to a place where it's bubbling up to people uh, lawyering up against me, that means my content is getting really visible, which means I'm making <laughs> more money on the other end. So it's all worth it in the end. Yeah. You know, you got to kind of take the wins with the losses, Joe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, funny videos have been good. You made the all decade team. We're going to call Alex Mack here to see if he will join us on the Tomahawk show, because I think we're officially the only podcast with a host 
who is a member of the all decade team? That's a great question. If we I had a research team that was not in know, isolation, we might be able to find out that answer. Research SME shirts. I just said it, and that makes it a fact, my brother. I love it. There's really no NFL news either, which is crazy. Like, that's the only NFL news. You are a part of the only NFL yes. news this week. That's amazing. So I was talking with some of the ownership with the Browns this week, and we were starting to talk about the draft and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I think everybody in the NFL is is nervous because there's not that many things that go on in the NFL offseason. And they're already a little bit drawn out to try to, like, get little tidbits of news, uh-huh. uh, you know, consistently through the calendar. But the fact that there's no other sports, the NFL holding the draft and free agency is, like, the closest thing the world has gotten to sports in a while. And so you can tell that the NFL is, like, really, really trying to drag some of this stuff out. They're talking <laughs> about maybe we delay the draft Maybe we do the draft where the GMs have to be in different locations. Maybe we allow them back into their facilities. And so they're floating all these trial balloons just to get people to keep talking about the NFL because they have got to be so scared and nervous when the draft is over. There is almost nothing that's (laughs) going to happen in the NFL world between then and the start of whatever offseason or training camp or season is going to be. And so – you can tell that they're going to release their schedule like one week of the NFL season, one week at a time. And that's going to be all anybody is talking about <laughs> on sports media, on the on the sports talk shows, because that's all we got right now, man. That's it. We got to figure out a way to make news. How can Tomahawk make national news in this time? That's what we need our viewers to do is to figure out how we can make national news what if for I the NFL. You yeah, you kidnap me. That would be amazing because A, virtually. You, over Zoom. <laughs> like, Hawk, you're being kidnapped. First, I'm holding you for ransom. Don't move. A Zoom napping, the very first one. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out. We'll, we got, we'll, we'll brainstorm it, and maybe listeners can give us some suggestions on how the Tomahawk uses this opportunity to make news that everyone is clamoring for. Um, the other thing we talked about this week, Joe, and, you know, it's funny because we, we've had these discussions about, uh, you know, the coronavirus and being in quarantine and so many thoughts, emotions, and you kind of, it kind of changes daily for us. But one thing we've always talked about from the beginning is like, you know, trying to think of other people that are in tough situations off of this. And I, and I know a lot, um, but me specifically, when we had the conversation a while ago, we talked about, you know, there are certain kids um, that we know are super affected by that. And we were trying to figure out ways that the Tomahawk can use its platform for good. So, and this is a perfect episode because you get named to the all decade team and we finalized everything what we needed to do the last couple of weeks for this initiative. And what we want to do for all of our Tomahawk listeners, if you are listening, uh, for people that are in a position to do so, we want to do a fundraiser for children in Ohio who have been affected by school shutting down and uh, are not able to get the the meals that they count on. A lot of families are like that. I was a kid growing up that, um, you know, I mean, if we didn't have lunch meals, it would have been a lot tougher from school. Uh, so we've partnered with the Children's Hunger Alliance in Ohio and the Cleveland Browns. And me and Joe are matching up to $50,000 in donations. Um, we're hoping that you, as the Tama Flock, will join us. We will post the t- we will tweet the link. We will send the link out. Uh, probably put it even in the episode notes that whatever you can give, Please give. We are matching up to $50,000, and our goal is $100,000 to give to the Children's Hunger Alliance 
who helps feed children across the state of Ohio um, who are in desperate need of these meals that they're missing from school. Yeah, we've partnered with the Cleveland Browns on trying to raise money for the Children's Hunger Alliance because like you mentioned, I've got a lot of educators in my family. And one mm-hmm. thing that they said as soon as school got shut down was, holy crap, where are these kids that depend on these meals? Not yeah. only just lunches, but a lot of them come to school early so they can get breakfast yep. and lunch because their family situations are such where they don't have the finances to be able to afford nutritious meals throughout the day. And now there's all these kids that are at home and parents are in a tough situation. A lot of People have lost their job. I saw a report from Wisconsin that like one out of 10 workers in Wisconsin just recently lost their job. And so now there's even less money coming in and there's more food needs from the children and the family standpoint because they're not getting it at school. So Mm -hmm. uh, this is just a way for the Tomahawk uh, family, the Cleveland Browns, to be able to try to make ends meet a little bit in this really, really difficult pandemic time right now. Um, and I think this kind of was sparked by some conversations that both of us have had, but my mom, who's a member of the Tomahawk, and she's probably listening right now, <laughs> said something to me a couple of days ago that was really powerful. And she said, do something nice for somebody else every single day. Like, and it doesn't always have to be financial. Like that's, right. it's not even that. Just think about all the folks outside of just your family or somebody else's family that are, especially the elderly that are in complete isolation and the Mm -hmm. loneliness that they must be going through on a daily basis. And so recently I made it a point to call my grandparents, the ones that are alive and just check in just for five minutes. Hey, grandma, grandpa, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Just thinking about you. Uh, I know this is a tough time, but just think about reaching out to those people that maybe you don't communicate with as much that maybe don't have as many people that are talking to them on a daily basis that probably have this amazingly horrible feeling of loneliness and this feeling of fear that they can't share their situations with anybody. And not necessarily that they need to talk about what it's like, you know, being in isolation and being in fear of getting the coronavirus, but just hearing a familiar voice and knowing that somebody is caring and thinking about you, that goes a long way. And so if you take that approach, like we've got a lot of extra time on our hands now with Mm -hmm. this isolation and quarantine going on. So just take five minutes out of your day, call somebody, send somebody a text that maybe you don't normally talk to that you think might be having to deal with this by themselves, maybe a little extra lonely because of the situation they're in, whether they're uh, immunocompromised or whether they're elderly or whatever it is. And just feel good about yourself by doing something for somebody else, because that's another way to try to get through this personally when you're in these these tough times, whether it be financially on top of the quarantine and the isolation. Absolutely, man. And you you really did hit the nail on the head because, like you said, I mean, there's just so much. And we are super privileged in, you know, the job that we're able to do. And even this podcast, which, again, we, we joke about making $70 million per episode, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That is not the real case. We're just, <laughs> we're joking with that, but this is very therapeutic for us. And we love this platform. We love the fact that fans like, like to tune in and feel like they're a part of us because they are. And, you know, we just wanted to put our heads together and say, not just cause, and I'm always confused about this when someone says they're matching up to a certain amount. Um, we're going to give our, we're going to get $50,000 on behalf of the Tomahawk show, no matter what we had great NFL careers. we, 
we're blessed and I, it, we're put in the position to be able to help others. So it doesn't matter what we raise. But the only reason why we're mentioning this on the Tomahawk platform is for our listeners who are in position to help others. Right. Whether that's fifteen dollars or whatever it is like if you can give to help somebody out, we want to use our platform and our our community, which is what the Tomahawk is, our community for that to help those kids in Ohio in a place that has been so incredible to us and our careers. Um, so yeah, so, uh, check out for that link and, you know, donate what you can and let's all kind of do our part. And we appreciate you guys always, always hanging in there and supporting us. And and, and this is an opportunity to to help others and, and not just make it about ourselves. Are you looking for the perfect gift for mom or another loved one? Nowadays, staying in touch with the ones we love is more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. I'm not able to visit my mom and dad or my grandparents as often as I'd like to, which is why I love the Skylight frame. It's a touchscreen photo frame you can email photos to and they appear in seconds so mom can see your favorite moments. Skylight frame has a gorgeous 10 inch touchscreen where you can swipe through photos with your finger and tap to thank the person who sent a photo. You can even preload it with your favorite photos for a special Mother's Day gift. Their customers love Skylight. One Facebook review said, This is such an isolating time as we are just trying to keep my grandma safe and healthy. But this gives her a little glimpse of us every single day. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash hawk and enter code hawk. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash hawk. And oh, you hear the doorbell noise. That means we have a visitor. Baker Mayfield. Most famous person that you have saved in your phone. Peyton Manning. Wow. Rob Gronkowski. You know, he's going to get that nut. (laughs) CJ McCullum. CJ Joe Thomas here. First of all, pleasure to speak to you, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is how much he perked up when he heard Joe's voice. The best center in the last decade of professional football, Alex Mack is joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to see you. Hawk, how we doing? Good to see you, Joe. Hey, man. How is life treating you in the quarantine? Uh, a lot of time in the house. Mm, that's that's new information. That's a completely I wake up different. every day. Oh, what do I want to do today? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Same thing every day. Are you a, are you an out-of-house kind of guy? Or are you like, are you more of a homebody by nature? I actually am doing all right because I, I, I do a fair amount of homebodiness. Uh, but... When I'm here, I'm, so I'm out in Hermosa and uh, in California, and usually I, it's like my number one thing to do, jump on a bicycle, ride around, see friends, play beach volleyball. Like, it's a very social yeah. place to be. There's a, a very white pastimes. That is, <laughs> that is very California white guy of you. Yes, I'll try that. <laughs> what would be a California black guy pastime? Um, that's a good question. I'm not a California guy and I'm a homebody already. So, uh, I would probably, without getting like too stereotypical, yeah, we no, should probably, we should probably back up the, the white guy. I did. So you might as well I did. Black guy stereotypes. I did. Black guy stereotype. Uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to say something that doesn't set my people back a bunch right, of we'll, years. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Come All back right. to me. Come uh, back hey, to me. No, I, Alex, I, I'm, I am curious being in Hermosa. I know what the perception is from 
outside the country, like, oh, LA, hotspot, it's really locked down. How much has this changed your normal routine? Are people still going out and biking around? Obviously, you're staying six feet away from each other. You're not going to bars and restaurants and stores, but do you still see people out on the beach? Are still people still going for bike rides and jogs and things like that? So right when the lockdown started, they uh, they like shut down all the like all like restaurants really shut down, gyms closed down, but they kept the beach and the strand open, mm. so you could walk around and you'd be out and you'd see people just like packing the strand because there was nothing else to do other than take a walk. And they since had shut that down. So they, they went out on the beach, mm -hmm. cut down every volleyball net, closed <laughs> the strand. And like, now it's just like no one, no one's out at all, but now everyone just walks one street up from the strand, but they, <laughs> it's a bigger area. It's like, you know, way wider cars are in the way sometimes, but everyone just walks that way and it, yeah. it actually works a lot better. Have you gotten into a regular routine every day where you're getting out and to going for a bike ride or going for a walk every single day? Uh, try to stay kind of, I don't need to go for a walk or a bike ride. So I'm trying to <laughs> keep that at, at a minimum. Mm. Uh, I built a home gym in my garage to so put the car out on the street and, spent the last you know three weeks trying to find gym equipment so i have a place to work out now in my garage and so i can just stay on the compound have you seen any of joe's workout videos and if so can you grade them for us i haven't watched any of his videos i've seen like the weight like what he has written down that he does okay and i'm really impressed because i was like doing it. like the same day he was doing like eight sets for 365 i had done like that's my last set five sets at 365 and i was like <laughs> sore and tired and like oh and like oh joe's just casually doing eight of those okay yeah four just years remember after this fall when you were beating your brains in on sundays i was squatting in my weight room watching you so i've been preparing <laughs> for this moment much much longer than you have and i'm much more well trained that's hilarious. Yeah. It is weird. I'm in Los Angeles and it is weird to see the streets empty. Like I'm from a very small town in Pennsylvania and there's never anybody on the streets. So at any given day that you go in there, there is like four cars on a street at one time. And so the people in that town that I've talked to haven't been taking this as serious as they should be because it doesn't seem like anything has changed for them. So I went out in my backyard. I flipped the camera around and showed them a freeway of Los Angeles. And I said, look, this is Los Angeles. This is a big deal. There are no cars out here. And that made them realize of how big a deal, it, a big a deal it was. So when you were talking about Hermosa beach, that sparked that idea in my mind. Let, let me give people an idea real quickly of the traffic in LA. If you've never been there, uh, Hawk was gracious enough to host me one of the last times I was in LA and we had an awesome Tomahawk family dinner at mm -hmm. Hawk's palatial estate and somewhere in yeah. Hollywood. I don't know exactly, but I took the red eye out Friday night and my flight was 1155 to Chicago. And I think I left your house at 10 and you're like five miles from the airport, maybe 10 miles, maybe five. Yep. It took like an hour and 20 minutes to get to the airport. Now, granted, <laughs> the freeways weren't that bad. But when you got near LAX, I was like a oh, mile yeah. from LAX and it took almost 40 <laughs> minutes to go the last mile. Yep. And I was thinking for both of you guys, now that there's nobody on the streets in LA, is it tempting to just go out and drive the normal streets that you can't ever drive because it's constantly a traffic jam? It's tempting, but that it's, feeling? it's scary. Cause I'm like, 
the fact that no one's out there scares me. I'm like, this is real. Like, I'm not going to be the one that's out here when no one else is. I had friends that went to Malibu and usually Malibu is like hour and a half, two hours away, something like that, traffic. And they're like, yeah, we got there in 35 minutes. It was great. <laughs> we just drove around Malibu. Oh, that's, oh. that's wild. So, so I am curious, is there a lot of people in California right now, because the weather is probably great, like going to state parks? Are you allowed to go and drive and like do That's what everyone was doing. Like everyone, everyone had the lockdown, what mm-hmm. I hear, but everyone's, oh, I can't go to gyms. I haven't been on a hike in 20 years. Let's go on a hike. And like all the <laughs> hiking trails are busy. Like the, the strand was packed, all these people on the beach and trying to stay six feet away. Right. Not time. Not probably not the time to go hiking. Also, I've heard that like emergency rooms that have like eight times as many sprained ankles because people are <laughs> deciding to go like hiking for uh, the first time in twenty years. Right? If you go to the ER because you've sprained your ankle. I'm sorry, but you deserve whatever is coming to you. <laughs> it's messed up. Spraining bro. your ankle, even a high ankle sprain, is not a serious injury. That Just is a suck. very af- athlete elitist take from you. That is a scary injury. My kids roll their ankle. And like most mom and dads would like run over there and grab the cradle their ankle, be like, Are you okay? Do you need ice? I'm like, suck it up, kid. Walk it <laughs> off. Like it's only gonna be worse if you let it stiffen up. Like just don't take your shoe off. This <laughs> right, ankle the, has zero sympathy from me. What's all the fake factual uh medical advice they gave us around injury, like, yeah, if you yeah. continue to to use it, it makes it better. Like, uh, I don't think... Get out back there on the, on the field. <laughs> yeah. Just tape it up. Seriously, though, for both of you guys, and I, we've joked a lot, I joke way too much, uh, my wife continues to tell me that, but for you two she to make... She doesn't laugh, though. No, she doesn't. She doesn't think I'm funny whatsoever. That's a, that's a great part of our wives. They never think you're funny. Never. After you get married. She's the one person who doesn't come to me for, for humor. The all-decade team announcement was really exciting for me because one of my best friends from my NFL days and to this day is Alex. And so to be able to share another team with him after Ugh. I never thought we'd be teammates again is really special. But I'm just a little bit sad because I'm actually supposed to be in Dublin, Ireland right now Ugh. celebrating the wedding of Alex and Rachel Mack. Wow. And the fact that we would have been in Dublin together when we found out that we were both on the all team would have been an ultimate bender from hell if we were drinking Guinness together in Dublin celebrating uh, his wedding when we found out we were on the all-decade team. So that's slight sadness right now. I got lucky enough that now I don't have to like weigh which one's more important. Like which one, was, <laughs> which one did I get more excited about? Like all-decade <laughs> team or getting married? Right, because you can't fake it because they would have seen both of them. That's but the, the, if you think about it this way, though, I don't know if they would have announced the NFL all-decade team if we weren't in the situation we're in, like you spoke about, we're yeah. trying to make NFL news and things to talk about. So yes. silver lining there, you'll still get to celebrate the wedding when Alex has it. And you two are both on the all decade team early or whenever it is. But that is, that's an amazing feat for two guys who are not only like legends by NFL standards, obviously legends and former Cleveland Browns teammates, best friends who had such a standard together. That's got to feel incredible that you are cemented as two of the best football players in your era. And that's something that lives on for years and years to come. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I know uh, I woke up that morning and got the notification and I was pretty pumped and then talked to Joe a little bit about it. And it was just a a very good day. Did you guys know that was coming? Did you know, like, because, you know, I didn't even know they were announcing it. Yeah, I didn't know that either. 
Like, is that something that usually happens? I don't know. I've never lo- I've never lived through an all-decade team. Or, like, people look out for when they name the Pro Bowl or they knew right. the top 100 players are coming every year. Were you guys like, oh, they should be naming the all-decade team soon? Or was it completely out of the blue? Completely where they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you're one of the best players over the last 10 years. It, completely totally out, of the out of the blue. Yeah, uh, and I think – I don't even think they had a plan for this because, like you said, it's it's once every 10 years. And so they'll just strategically announce it when it makes sense to try to make some news – and you could tell that being between free agency and the draft, this was a tiny bit of a lull. So they released it on Monday so that this is what we could talk about all week. So we could talk about, oh, this guy got screwed or this guy shouldn't have been on the All-Decade team. The big debate right now is Aaron Rodgers was on the All-Decade team. Drew Brees was not. Who hmm. was the one that should have made the team? Was it fair that Aaron Rodgers made it over Drew Brees? So the NFL, they're smart about you know giving us little breadcrumbs here every week on a Monday so that the NFL can fill up the news cycle during the weekday and they can come up with something the next week. If you both, as players who are on the All-Decade team, had to choose two players to add to the All-Decade team, who would they be that you think were snubbed? That's tough. Or are you like, nope, it's perfect. Drew Brees is a name that comes up. People say he got snubbed. (laughs) I I was going to go through a whole list, Joe. Um, Trent Williams is a name that people say could have been on the list. Uh, I think a D lineman that were just somebody like you knew you had a big work day whenever they were around. Kelly Gregg. (laughs) I don't even think he played in the 2000s. (laughs) You know, the hard thing with the all-decade team is you could play – great football for 12 or 13 years. But if you played six in one decade and six or seven in another decade, you probably aren't going to make the team just by virtue of splitting two decades. Um, I was lucky because I was 2007 draft. So I, I played seven, eight, nine in the two thousands. And then I was able to play the other eight in the 2010s. But um, I'm thinking about like a guy like Haloti Nada who was easily one of the greatest defensive tackles Mm -hmm. that I have ever played against. Uh, Certainly, I would say he's one of the greatest of his generation. Being his combination of size, speed, strength, um, he was almost unmatched, but he split two decades. And so he wasn't, as far as I know, a 2000s, and I don't think he was on this one. And so he kind of gets screwed, even though he maybe yeah. is just as good of a player as those other guys. So then it becomes a matter of like when you're drafted, right? Yeah. But so, okay. Oh, so nine. Here's, here's, Perfect timing. I've won yeah. you guys to learn the ropes. <laughs> you did a great job, Alex. Yeah, you're such a genius. Always ahead of the game. Here goes some names that, that people are calling snubs. Andrew Whitworth is the name. A.J. Green. Cam Chancellor. Jason Witten. We said Drew Brees. Russell Wilson. Uh, Demarcus Ware, Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs. Um, and I'm going to throw another name that you guys are close to that I honestly think got snubbed, Joe Hayden. If you stack up Joe's number against the DBs that they chose, Joe has a legitimate argument that he should be on the All-Decade team. I have a hard time judging DB play. Like, I don't even yeah. know what they do out there. Like, yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You have no idea who's good and who's not. Oh, yeah, that corner. He just, like... The guy didn't catch it. That's a good job. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? <laughs> Pass breakup. <laughs> Alex would be the same type of fan that, like, if the quarterback gets sacked outside the pocket, like, 10 seconds after the ball is snapped, it was the guy that lined up over the left tackle. He'd be like, come on, Joe, what are you doing there? Giving up all these sacks, sweetie. You're a bum. We need to get rid of you. The worst is when the, run, when the quarterback runs out of bounds, out behind, like, loses one yard and, like, sack. 
Like, come on. Like, just throw it away. Just throw it away. So you guys hey. don't think anybody was snubbed, apparently. You just think the, no, you think the, no. the only person say. you give a shit that's on the list is yourselves. Got it. I mean, it's such a hard thing to do. There's so many good players that, like, you are, like, I'd always watch film and see, like, choose what game I'm going to watch according to what offensive player was blocking who I had to block. So, all right, right, how did this guy do it? How did this guy do it? And you just constantly are, like, judging different people. Like, all right, like, this worked for this guy. This worked for that guy. Yeah. Hawk, hit the, you hit the nail on the head, though. The only two names that I was looking for that mattered, Joe Thomas, Alex Mack. After that, there was no snubs. That makes sense. <laughs> that, that makes sense. If they did a player, the best players under 5'8 of the decade, Ooh. your boy would have been first ballot. So are there, are there, are there even enough players to fill a team? Well, that's, 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 the, that's the trick, Alec. It's well, like you being drafted in 09. It's perfect for me. <laughs> so I can think of two, you and Taylor Gabriel. Was there anybody yeah. else that was under 5'8"? Yeah, well, there's actually the only person on the all-decade all team who made the list at two positions is Darren Sproles. Oh, yeah, you're right. He was He's a returner on the all-decade team and a, a running back on the all-decade team. I don't think he was a running back. Morris Jones-Drew, he's not flex, very tall. Flex back, they called it. So oh, like flex, a, got it. You know, receiving, because he's had like probably four or 5,000 receiving yards in this decade yeah. on top of 5,000 rushing yards. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, MJD. Uh, he's pretty MJD short. was a big one. He's well, small one, but big name. S- small but big, yes. Yep. But you know, this these why these lists are great is because there's always going to be arguments because they decide in advance how many players at each position make it. Like there's two quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, there's five or six guys easily that were deserving from that decade. Russell Wilson, that's one yep. of them that easily could have uh, been on there. Yeah. But. Uh, Instead of deciding after the fact who is an all-decade player and then deciding how many positions because of those players, it's the other way around. It's two quarterbacks, so now you got to fit those, uh, fill those two spots, and sit two quarterbacks in those seats. And there's always going to be guys that are going to feel uh, a little bit snubbed, especially at those positions that have had so many great players of our generation. That quarterback, right? It's it's the yeah. generation of the quarterback. You could have put five guys on there, and every single one of them would have been deserving. They got to start doing an all-decade team every five years. All half-decade teams? Yeah, that way you get to cover t- 2015 to 2025. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, then if you were drafted in the middle of the decade. Yeah, it's like you're not screwed. They need every quarter-decade team. Quarter-decade you know? team announced. <laughs> exactly. 2.5 years, mid-season. <laughs> exactly. And then we'll just get it down to a year and we'll call it the Pro Bowl. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details. Other things we need to talk about before Alex leaves because we're running low on time here. Chris Johnson had a tweet where he said, just out the blue, he should have signed with the, he can't believe he signed with the Jets over the Ravens. What a bad move on his part. Joe, that made me ask the question or beg the question. Do you regret not signing with the Broncos when you had a chance to win a Super Bowl? Be honest. 
So first of all, I think it's important to know that I was not a free agent and there was merely trade conversations. And so I think sometimes fans get a little confused because they do see players that make a big stink and then end up getting traded. Well, I wasn't a big stink type guy. I may have stunk pretty bad in the huddle, as Alex might tell you, but I was not a guy that was going to make a big stink to try to you know, get a contract or get traded. And so I didn't get traded. I didn't really have any input on getting traded or not. However, but you did not want to in, go. In hindsight, I was really happy that I didn't get traded at the time because I deeply felt inside of me that uh, I was part of something special to be able to build a championship team from the ground up in Cleveland with the greatest fan base in pro sports. And then that would be the most special thing that I could do during my career. It didn't happen, of course. <laughs> but for me, truthfully, like loyalty and <laughs> the ability to try to win a championship where you are and to build something <laughs> rather sorry. than just to take like a bunch of different pieces and put together an all-star roster and win a championship. It just means some, something more to me. And I know that that's kind of lost as the millennial Hawk is laughing at me when I, I'm not I laughing at you. Loyalty. I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah you're laughing my, at me. Talking about loyalty. I'm laughing thinking of my follow-up because I got to ask Alex the same questions next. <laughs> and Alex was shot with the Falcons. Loyalty, yeah. Loyalty. Like, yeah, I wanted to win something yeah. special in Cleveland. That's where yeah. it's at. So, Alex, yeah. how about you? Like, ah, oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, uh, for me, it was a hard decision in terms of, like, leaving Cleveland when I did because all my friends were there. And I we had, like, such a great room of O-linemen and that, like, that's who I played for and why I wanted to be there. And I was lucky enough to get transition tagged, stay for two more years because I had a really tough decision after year five. Mm -hmm. If I could leave, what would I do? What would happen? Are, are we building something good? Do we have a chance? And I was able to give it two more of my years to uh, try to make it happen. Right. And uh, it didn't happen. And at that time, like Mitch Schwartz was leaving. Uh, Joe was getting up there at age. Was, All yeah, right. Like, now I have one more chance to like try – another team, another style, then it, it all kind of came together for me when Atlanta, big city, Kyle mm -hmm. Shanahan, great offensive coach. Right. And, you know, it, it paid off to a level I was not expecting by going to the Super Bowl versus the Browns not winning the game. Really? So I, Is that what happened? You yeah, want to just throw that in our face, huh? Okay. Well, there, there was a lot of things <laughs> going on in Cleveland at the time. Obviously, the turnover at general manager and head coach and the roster turnover and the way that the new organization that was coming in really didn't value veterans because of the uh, tear it down to the studs rebuild approach. Mm. Um, like you mentioned, they let Mitchell Schwartz and Alex Mack out the door to all pros. Uh, Mitch might be on the all decade in the 2020 teams, depending on how long yeah. he wants to play, but he's been a perennial all pro in recent memory. Uh, we had a fantastic offensive line. I mean, you look at us, I think the only other offensive line in the NFL through that time frame when we were all there that could compete was the Dallas Cowboys. Um, with that being said, I'm curious to ask Alex this. Uh, I know a lot of things swirling around, a lot of different uh, things were happening. But if Kyle would have stayed in Cleveland, mm. do you think that would have changed your decision at all about whether you could stay? Now, I know I know they didn't offer you a competitive contract. 
But had they offered a competitive contract with Atlanta and Kyle stayed in Cleveland, would that have changed your decision at all? I think I think it would have. I think it was – I remember talking with you about this and like, all right, there's a couple of things you need to make a choice of. And I tell this to other guys when they hit free agency. It's like, all right, well, there's no guarantee that your team's going to be any better, any worse, anything else. So like money is one of the only things you can really control – and so money was important in terms of like, all right, I need to set myself up financially. And so that that was a strong factor. And then I think choosing a coach and a style and a team that is player friendly and a system that works well with you is good. So like choosing Kyle and the outside zone scheme, and that's a, a system that I liked. If he was going to be there, I, I think that would have made it really hard to walk away. It's funny because that decision or, or you know, and it, it wasn't really anybody's specific decision, but Kyle staying in Cleveland, I feel like would have changed a lot. And I do think if had he stayed the very next year, I am, I would bet a lot of money in my bank account that Cleveland Browns would have been a playoff team. Um, I was just going to say that we would have we would have absolutely made the uh, playoffs because I always think that a second year under an offensive coordinator is really where you make the biggest leap because that first year you're trying to just get everybody on the same page. They're just trying to learn the playbook. They're not learning the details of those plays until maybe the middle of the season. And so being able to get all that under your belt and working on a second season is really where you see that progress and uh, that acceleration and the knowledge and the understanding of the yeah. offense and where you can get to that next level stuff. Because in an NFL game, there's three to five plays that you de- usually determine who wins and who loses. And those plays typically are not things that are practiced the week of the game because there's so many other things that happen and that you have to practice the week of the game to cover, to be ready that when it's fourth down, or third and 10 in the fourth quarter, and you need a a three-yard pass, you're going to recall something that you worked on maybe a year ago or two years ago, or there's an adjustment that the defense makes that you have to be able to adjust on the fly. And if you make that play, you win the game. But those aren't things that you can practice week in and week out. And so a lot of times you have to fall back on previous year's experience. And so having multiple years in a single system makes a big difference. But I want to pivot to a little bit of a lighter note because Alex and I did play, I think, seven years. <laughs> and you played amazing. Before you go on, Joe, real quick, I want to say, regardless, Alex left to go to Atlanta. He did go to the playoffs the next year. Let's be very clear about that. Um, with Kyle. You stayed, Super Joe, with, with Kyle. Kyle. He, was, he was the smart one. You probably should have been smarter. But regardless, Browns fans revere both of you guys. And obviously, you're two of the best players of the decade because you put your heart and soul on the field for Cleveland while you were there and the next place because it's who you are. So you both made the right decisions. Um, and it's, it was got, an honor for me to play next to both of you. I got a good uh, O-line story from Cleveland days. I remember that last Perfect. year, That's what I was our, ask. Our, uh, our head O-line coach got fired like the day the season started. Got let go <laughs> and put in suspension, and he like disappeared from there. So we started the year with – I think they cut everyone else too. So there was like five offensive linemen <laughs> that had been in the room and it was like the starting five and everyone else was new. And we started the year with like the assistant line coach stepping up in the job. And it was the starting five of us the whole year together going over stuff. And we had like a new OC, uh, like a new head line coach. And it was just because we had played together for the previous five years that it all worked out. I think it was five years, five or four <laughs> years. And we just like, uh, 
all day in meetings, our coach would be like, I think we're going to do it this way. And we'd be like, well, you know, last year, <laughs> like years previously, we did it this way. And he'd be like, okay, we'll do it that way. <laughs> and it was just like the most fun I've ever had. And we didn't win any games. We were terrible. No, we were terrible. But, but we won more than we should have. That's the three. We should have. We won like four or five, but we only should have won one based on <laughs> the circumstances that we were dealing with. But it was just fun to be able to have the five of us together in a Coaching room, really deciding how we wanted to do the whole thing. And because we had spent four years together, we're like, well, how do we want to do this? And we had this open discussion. We had like the best room I've ever been around. And I'll, I'll like, for, to this day, we'll remember just like what that ownership felt like and the cohesion we had amongst ourselves. And like, we're still all friends to this day, just from what we all went through. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at that offensive line. It was me at left tackle. Joel Batonio was the left guard. Alex was the center. John Greco is the right guard. Mitchell Schwartz was the right tackle. All of us, uh, even Joel at that, at that next year had a little bit of experience. And so it was fun. It was like having a board of directors meeting every day in those <laughs> meetings because the coaches didn't know what they were doing. It was up to us to decide like, how are we going to handle this blocking scheme? And we would talk with the quarterback who was Josh McCann at the time. And we'd come up with a consensus on how we we're going to handle it. And by and large, I think we did a really good job handling Dude. the situation that we were in basically becoming the coaching staff oh. uh, it, it, that season, which was crazy. But I want to ask Alex, because I know we had a lot of funny stories when we were together in Cleveland. Do you have any funny or interesting stories from your time in Atlanta? Uh, we've had good times there. Uh, <laughs> we we have the, the downside there is we haven't had the same group of guys. Like every year we've added a guy or lost a guy, added a guy. Uh, and so it was tough. I know coming in the first year, that was just fun because there was a lot more vets and I, I was the new guy to the room, but I, I knew Andy Levitri from uh, his time in Buffalo. Chris Chester was a guy I knew and talked to and he was in Washington for the most part. And then Jake Matthews and uh, Ryan Schrader were the tackles and all of us really got along really well and had a good time. And we had to like very much use all of our different experiences throughout the time to figure out how we wanted to block a lot of stuff. So it was a lot of us like, all right, like Chester had Kyle when he was in Washington, I had him in Cleveland. And so we could like kind of draw on all these different times running this offense, what works, what doesn't, how do you like it? This is my technique. I did this way. And so it was another real good collaboration of us learning the offense and figuring out how to do stuff, which was fun. If you had to, Pick one receiver you played with between me and Julio Jones. Who would you choose? I mean, if Julio was under five eight, uh huh, I think I'd choose Hawkins. I love it. So I'm basically like a five seven Julio Jones. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, Tell it. Well, I have a scouting report. So give me a scouting report on Austin Hooper and what the Browns are getting in Austin Hooper. Uh, Hoop's a great dude. Like uh, I really like him as a person, and like really good guy. He's very Cali boy relaxed kind of mm. cool as a cucumber doesn't like doesn't take things too seriously on the outside Jordan Cameron vibes Jordan Cameron vibe yeah okay. uh but he uh does a really good job in terms of being like loose and fluid and 
doing things, uh, kind of tempoing guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I know how to run routes very well. I was going to say, you really don't know anything except the center position, do you, Alex? <laughs> not, not a whole lot. I, I know how to do like, uh, some like, game stuff. He wears blue and, shoes on Wednesdays a lot like, of times. Let, let me tell you a quick, really short Alex Mack story. One of my favorite <laughs> stories about Alex when he was a rookie was how we used to tease him because he literally knew absolutely nothing about NFL. And <laughs> yep. Hardly anything about sports. He just grew up and he didn't grew up in a family that watched sports. And so we used to play this game on the airplane with me and Mitch Schwartz and uh, John Greco. Mitch wasn't there at the time. Um, But we would play this game about like, does Alex know if he is an NFL player or not? And we would give him like NFL legends. Like we would say like Steve Young. I mean, Alex grew up in California and we'd be like, Steve Young, did he play in the NFL or not? And he wouldn't know if he was an NFL player. We're like Barry Sanders. And he was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I play football, but like then it got to like what position and be like, yeah, uh, like oh, that's a tough one. What position was Steve Young? Jeez, I wasn't prepared yeah, uh, for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Defensive end. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That was uh, my favorite Alex Max game. That is hilarious, man. Well, Alex, we appreciate you joining us here on the show, man. Congrats on the All Decade Team, much deserved. Uh, and yeah, and if you get a chance, donate fifteen bucks to our our charity raise for kids in Ohio. Since you abandoned the Browns, it's the least you could do, buddy. I could do that. You send me the link, <laughs> I will donate fifteen dollars. All right, love you, brother. Appreciate you. I appreciate it, Alex. Thanks a lot, man. Congrats, brother. That was awesome, man. Again, Alex, All-Decade Team. Joe, All-Decade Team, man. Uh, I think that's a a perfect way to end this episode. Again, for everyone listening, make sure you check the notes for the link to donate to help feed kids who need it um, with the Children's Hunger Alliance that the initiative me and Joe are doing here at the Tomahawk Show. Joe, you have any final thoughts, man? Final thoughts, man. Just rolling through this isolation, getting one little tidbit of NFL news every single week. Keeping us going, man. Just got to stay positive, stay in that routine. Every day's Groundhog's Day, but we're going to get through this together, man. We're going to get through it, man. Joe Thomas, one of the best offensive tackles that this decade, the best offensive tackle this decade has ever seen. Alex Mack, also one of the best offensive linemen this decade has ever seen. Take us out, buddy. Joe Hawk yourself.